Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, everyone. I am Catherine Allen Carlozo, as you know, from HFM Investment Advisors. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Mary Beth Franklin. I'm going to say this, Mary Beth, a social security extraordinary. How are you? I'm doing great. I was delighted to get your invitation to chat about one of my favorite topics. As it is, that I know for sure. Mary Beth is the president of Retire Pro and a contributing editor with investment news on retirement, tax, and social security issues. An expert on social security benefits as well as Medicare, Mary Beth has written a very informative book, which I have. I was going to show it, but It's called Maximizing Social Security Retirement Benefits, and it has been updated for 2021 since we all know that things can change quickly with Social Security rules and policies. As a subscriber to Investment News for many years, I always look forward to your articles, Mary Beth. And for the audience, we actually met at an Investment News conference back in Chicago, I'm thinking like five, six years ago, and you've graciously helped me over the years with many questions from my clients. So thank you for that. And it's quite obvious to me, the passion that you have with helping people make the most of their retirement income strategies. So you have helped people through just your articles, your podcasts, videos, many speaking engagements throughout the nation. Is it also the world? I just thought I'd say the nation, both. It's generally domestic since Social Security is American policy, but I keep waiting for other foreign governments to come so I could help influence them (laughs) going forward. Hasn't happened yet, though. (laughs) And Mary Beth is also a certified financial planner. And if I remember, I think you might have even been starting to study that when we originally met. Right. Because I have been a lifelong journalist for more than 40 years, but always writing about money. And I realized that when I was interviewing experts, I always thought the certified financial planners were the sharpest tools in the box. And I decided if I was going to be speaking and writing to financial professionals, I wanted to acquire those credentials myself. It was so fun, wasn't it, taking that exam? I'm glad it's in my rearview mirror. (laughs) Well, when you and I took it, it was a 10-hour two-day exam, and now they condensed it down to one day, six hours. I don't know if it's any easier. I highly doubt it. But yeah, that was fun. I agree with that. So many people may have failed by just filling in those little bubbles with pencils and by moving it to all computer. I think it may have improved the passage rate. Oh my gosh. If you remember, we had to wait like six, seven weeks to even get our results, whereas our office just took it and he got the results immediately. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> but to say that I am honored to have you as my guest on this podcast is an understatement. If there was ever a go-to person with social security knowledge and strategies, Mary Beth is it. So thank you again for joining me today. There's so many questions and topics to cover. 
However, we will stick with a few that you and I talked about and we find they're at the top of everyone's minds and need clarification. So one of the challenges of planning for retirement in the 21st century is longevity. So the good news is we live longer. The bad news is we live longer. And people are living longer than previous generations, therefore need income to sustain them for 20, 30 years plus. Sometimes they are retired longer than they worked. Exactly. And that's what is the game changer now. When you think back to even our parents' generation, Mm -hmm. where it was pretty simple. You retired at 65. You enrolled in Medicare at 65. You claimed Social Security at 65. With any luck, you had a pension Pension. at 65. And you probably lived fairly modestly. That generation was not saddled with credit card debt when they went into retirement. That generation generally had paid off their mortgage by the time they were in retirement. So now fast forward to baby boomers and Generation X and millennials and beyond, and they, as you pointed out, may be living longer in retirement than they ever actually worked Mm -hmm. in an era where these traditional pension plans have disappeared. And for many people, Social Security is the only form of guaranteed income that will last the rest of their lives, Mm -hmm. no matter how long they live. And that's why it's so important that they make the right decision of when to claim their benefits and how to maximize those benefits. So one of the statistics I saw in one of your articles, speaking of longevity, $3.4 trillion is the amount retirees will lose in potential income that they could spend during their retirement because they claimed Social Security at a suboptimal time. So many people don't know the best time when to start receiving their benefits. And sadly, a large percentage of them apply before their full retirement age. And that full retirement age is a moving milestone at this point. At the moment, full retirement age is 66 for people who were born between 1943 and 1954. That means people who turned 66 this year, they were born in 1955, their full retirement age is 66 in two months. And that increases in two month increments until you get to the people born in 1960 and later, and their full retirement age is 67. So it is understandable why people are confused. First of all, what is my full retirement age and what does that mean? It's so interesting too, because it's still such a something stuck in people's heads about 65. Like when I do financial planning for clients and you think, when do you want to retire? They still have that 65 in their head for some reason. And a lot of them think because Medicare is 65 when you can collect, I mean, when you can start on Medicare and yet your full retirement age is a different age at this point. And you just reminded me because my one brother is going to be 66 this year. So he's 66 in two months. So what is the most important question a person should ask? Well, Social Security was never meant to be a standalone retirement plan. It's a critical basis for most Americans' retirement plan, but it's just a piece of the overall puzzle. So that's why I encourage people to work with financial advisors like yourself who can say, let's look at all of our potential sources of income. Mm -hmm. Here we have Social Security 
I subscribe to the philosophy of let's look at what your fixed costs in retirement, your housing costs, your health care, your taxes, your insurance, and right. let's try to have as many predictable sources of income like Social Security or maybe a pension or some sort of guarantee from your investments that mm -hmm. are going to cover these fixed costs. So you know that you're matching up your uh, liabilities and your income. And then everything beyond that can be your discretionary income. That's where it can be more investment-based that I know I have to pay my mortgage or pay my taxes. I can hope to take that trip to Europe next year, but I don't have to. So we really divide right. things into needs and wants. Correct. And for some people, needs are different than some people, their wants might be their needs. I would agree. I think pre-COVID, <laughs> you would say my needs are my medications and my housing. And now you're saying it's Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yes, absolutely. And for some people, it's a every other day manicure. Because I know for some people, it just makes them feel better. And like you said, there's always something that I say there's a difference between goals and values too. Because you might have a goal for something, but you have to attach the value of that as well and see if those two tie in together. So people are collecting maybe possibly before their full retirement age, which is at a reduced benefit, or they are collecting at their full retirement age, like you had said, whether it's 66 or 66 plus or 67. Is there anyone that should consider delaying their social security of claiming it until they are 70? Well, you get a huge bonus for waiting. For every year, you're willing to postpone claiming your social security benefits beyond your full retirement age up until age 70. Social security is going to give you an extra 8% per year. That is huge. It's if your huge. full retirement age is 66 yeah. and you wait till 70, you are going to get an extra 32% per month for the rest of your life. Now, to really put this in perspective, mm -hmm. yes, people can claim benefits as early as age 62. If they choose to do that, which is appropriate for some people, they have to understand their benefits are permanently reduced for the rest of their lives by 25 to 30%, depending on their full retirement age. Mm -hmm. And the difference between claiming as soon as possible at age 62 versus waiting as long as 70 your full retirement age is 66, you're talking a 76% increase in your social security benefit for the rest of your life. Where else, what investment can you offer your clients that say over an eight-year period, I am going to increase your income by 76%? Not just on average, but every year. It's not there. And people have to realize that too, I think, because a lot of times if they feel like we had a pretty good year last year with the stock market, and people are like, well, I did this percentage, but we look at everything, like you said, for the long term. So it's got to be on average. And if you're not super aggressive with the way you invest, you're not going to get 8%. Exactly. Or you might get 18% one year and lose 30 the next. Absolutely. The, the nature of the stock market is yeah. it's a risk return equation. You're agreeing to take more risk in the hope that you get a bigger return. Right. But at the same time, you have to be prepared that you may take losses, which is why in the past, retirees tended to go more 
heavily into bonds, which were giving them a steady yeah. income return. Sure. But in the old days, you got 6% and yep. now you're lucky yep. to get one. So looking at retirement in the 21st century requires us to adapt new tools. And one of those new tools is taking the oldest piece of retirement income, social security, and saying, how do we make it fit into today's retirement? So speaking on the, if we delay it till 70 as well, and you and I had mentioned earlier that this conversation is for men and women. However, we know statistically that women on average outlive their spouses. So if they are married, then it's important for them to understand why they might want to delay for the female spouse. I usually encourage married couples, particularly those who each have their own earnings history and consequently their own retirement benefit, Mm -hmm. to think of their social security claiming strategy from a household standpoint rather than two individual decisions. Mm -hmm. Because the fact is you may each have retirement benefit, but when one person dies, the bigger social security benefit becomes the survivor benefit and the smaller one goes away. So I say to married couples, your first question should be, how do I maximize the survivor benefit? And I do that by having the spouse with the bigger social security benefit, which traditionally tends to be the husband, Mm -hmm. who traditionally tends to be a few years older, and who traditionally has probably the larger earnings history. If we can get that husband to delay till 70, we are ensuring that he not only maximizes his retirement benefit while both spouses are alive, but should he die first, he has now created the largest possible survivor benefit for his widow. Now, in the meantime, the other spouse, if she's not working, she may want to go ahead and claim her benefits as Mm -hmm. early as age 62, Mm -hmm. because even though her retirement benefits are permanently reduced, it will have no impact on her survivor benefit as long as she is at least full retirement age at the time when she collects them. And here's the difference. As a spouse of someone married to someone with a social security retirement benefit, if I had no benefit of my own, I still get a spousal benefit worth half of my husband's benefit or half of my wife's benefit. When that spouse dies, my survivor benefit is now 100% of what they were collecting or entitled to collect at time of death. So I say to married couples, have the one with the bigger benefit wait till 70 if possible. Have the other spouse, if she is not working, mm-hmm. collect early because it brings cash into the household. It reduces a bit of the sting of having the other spouse wait, and it will not affect your survivor benefit. If, however, that second spouse, I'm assuming the wife at this point, if she is working, then you want to wait until your full retirement age to claim, because here's the other secret that many people don't understand about Social Security. If you claim your benefits before full retirement age, not only are they reduced because you're collecting early, but they are reduced if you make too much money from a job. And too much money, believe it or not, is under $20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So if you are working and you're younger than full retirement age, do not claim social security. It's an accounting nightmare. I think the other thing is 
again, there's been so many changes that most people, they can't keep up with this, which is why they come to someone like me. And then they come to me and then I go to you. (laughs) (laughs) And someone asked me this the other day, because I think they still think that rule of, well, okay, so my husband is now able or at full retirement age, but he can file and suspend and I can collect spousal benefits. And that's gone too. That's correct. There were some very lucrative claiming strategies that in the past have been available to married couples and in some cases, eligible divorce spouses. The first one that you reference, file and suspend, take it out of your vocabulary. It's gone. It doesn't exist. There is one more claiming strategy available to a shrinking pool of current retirees. Here is the one date you need to remember. January 1st, 1954. If you were born on or before that date, meaning you will turning at least 68 years old this year, you still have some fancy claiming options. If you were born before that date and you are currently married and one spouse is collecting Social Security and you as the other spouse was born before 1954, you can still say to Social Security, don't pay me my benefit. Let my retirement benefit continue to grow by 8% a year up until age 70. But in the meantime, let me claim only as a spouse. Give me half of my husband's full retirement age benefit. Give me half of my wife's full retirement age benefit. I'm not collecting on my own. But it's a shrinking window that will disappear. I think it's 2024. It all goes away. So I was thinking of another question because something else popped up recently for a client of mine, and they were collecting their own social security, but it was less than half of what her spousal benefit would be. And her husband just started collecting his social security. So now her social security benefits will bump up to the 50% of his. Correct. But the key was he had to be collecting his benefit to trigger that spousal benefit for her. Now, the trigger is do they actually have to notify Social Security or does Social Security then say, oh, okay, John, you just started collecting. So Mary, we're going to give you that increase in your spousal benefits. Do they do that automatically or does the person have to let them know? Well, it would depend. If Mary is already collecting her benefit and so Social Security has all that information of her marital status, Social Security number, and now John, her husband, mm-hmm. has applied for his benefit. They're matching those records up that John is married to Mary. And so that John collects his benefit, Social Security is going to know that if the spousal benefit amount is larger than what Mary is already receiving, then she'll automatically get the bump up. Okay. If she had not applied for benefits yet, when she applied, they'd be going through those same questions. Are you married? Has your husband claimed? Whatever. Now, here's the difference. We've been talking at this point, retirement benefits. Retirement benefits are something you get while you're alive. When a spouse dies, now you're entitled to survivor benefits. Retirement benefits and survivor benefits are two different pots of money. And this is very important, particularly for married couples and in some cases, eligible divorced spouses to be aware of that if you are entitled to both your own retirement benefit and a survivor benefit, 
depending on your age at the time and whether you collected, you may be able to collect one type of benefit first and switch to the larger benefit later. And you can do it in either order. And it does not matter when you were born. It is not tied to a birth date. It's the fact that these are two separate benefits and you claim one and then the other. So let's say I am a married woman. My own retirement benefit is bigger than a spouse. I'm just collecting on my own record. My husband dies. I'm now entitled to a survivor benefit, but I actually would have to claim it if it's larger than mine because I'm collecting my own retirement benefit. Mm -hmm. I have to file for the survivor benefit. If, say, I was a married woman collecting my retirement benefit and my benefit as a spouse while my husband was alive was bigger than mine. So I'm collecting on my record and part of his Mm -hmm. and he dies. I'm automatically going to step up to a bigger survivor benefit because I'm already collecting on his record. They'll know that when he dies, I bump up to a bigger survivor benefit. Boy, oh boy. You did talk and about put this in perspective. And yeah. the reason your client should really respect what you do and why you help them, mm-hmm. there are more than 2,700 rules that govern social security benefits. Of course, the average consumer does not understand all these no. rules and they turn to people like you. And when you have a further question, you turn to people like me. Yeah. And it's mind boggling that you just made that statement mind-boggling. And a lot of times people just don't seem to know, like you had talked about before, when to collect, what they're entitled to, whether they are an ex-spouse and then the ex-spouse, now they become a survivor, even though they're an ex-spouse. And a surviving spouse, we'll go back to the married couple. Now we have a surviving spouse and you covered about the fact that they're going to get the larger benefit and theirs goes away. So we have to show that in the financial planning because all of a sudden you see that income. Oops. They receive, how much is it for funeral? $255. That's never been changed since it was instituted. (laughs) Never been changed. And to me, this is something that I always use my mom as a, um, my mom worked and put money into social security and she probably worked at least 35 years. And then she passed away at 62 before she started collecting Social Security. My dad, now this is 30 years ago. My dad got $255. There's no uh, some benefit increase there, no future value of money. But because my dad's Social Security was larger, he just started receiving his. So whatever she put into Social Security, other than $255. It went back in the pool for everybody else. Back in the now- You and I have something in common. My mother also died at 62. She collected one social security check, but because she did not live the entire month, we had to send it back. Oh my. And that's one of the reasons I like to make sure people are educated about their social security benefits. I will say that the social security website is excellent. It's ssa.gov, more information than you could ever imagine but it is well presented for consumers. You can click on retirement or survivor or children's benefits, or there's all sorts of ways you can educate yourself. Because remember, the social security reps, very hardworking people, particularly during this past year plus of COVID, where everything had to move online, 
Their job is to help you process your application. Mm -hmm. Their job is not to tell you when to claim your benefits. That's why you work with a financial advisor who can help you fit that social security piece into your overall retirement income puzzle. They're very knowledgeable. And I have been on either phone calls with clients with social security. I've gone to social security office before pandemic, and I'm very impressed with the people that are working at social security and they really do know their stuff. I know some people get frustrated because they can't get the phones ringing or they can't get an appointment, but my goodness. And you and I had a situation that you helped me with where the person is 70, just turned 70 and a half, is still working. And she didn't think she should collect because then she has to pay taxes on it. And then she thought it was going to go up to increase until she was 72. Which is incorrect. Those delayed retirement credits stop at 70. So there's another golden rule. Even if you're still working, do not delay beyond age 70 to claim social security benefit because there is no additional credit. And in her case, we were able to catch her right at the exact moment because she was 70 and a half. And I convinced her finally to call the social security office. And the gentleman said that day, it's a good thing you called this week because she gets retroactive six months of a lump sum. Right. Which is the maximum retroactive benefit is six months. So she came in there in the nick of time, thanks to you. Yeah. Or if she would have waited until she was 71, 71 and a half, 72, it would still only be six months retroactive. Correct. So, and I think the other thing also, Mary Beth, is that people are just inundated with news today. Some of the information tells them that Social Security is going to be exhausted by a certain year. In my opinion, this is another reason why people feel like I better collect as soon as I can. I don't care if it's a reduced benefit because it's going to go away. Right. So can you tell us what you know about the future or in your expert opinion, what changes need to be implemented or how can we fix this? And also just to kind of dissolve a little bit of that unknown or fear that people are thinking of right now. Well, the first thing I'd say is you can claim social security retirement benefits anytime between 62 and 70. We discussed how the planning depends on your finances, Correct. but the idea of rushing to claim as early as possible out of fear is like selling all your stocks in a down market. The only thing you have guaranteed is you have locked in a loss. If you need the money and you've got a good reason, okay, claim it 62. That's what you have worked so hard for and paid so much in FICA taxes over your career. But if you're grabbing it early because you think it's going to run out of money, I'm going to get it while I can. I don't think that's reasonable. Let's put this in perspective. Social Security is the most successful and popular federal program in history. It pays out over a trillion dollars a year to more than 64 million beneficiaries. And that number will keep increasing as the baby boomers retire. Do you think Congress is really going to want to tick off 64 plus million people? Absolutely not. In the past, the last time we had long-term financing problems was 1983. And believe it or not, I was a very young Capitol Hill reporter for United Press International covering the Social Security Commission and reform. And what they did back then was brilliant because they said, 
okay, we have all these baby boomers that are going to start retiring around 2010, and we're going to need to pay out a lot of benefits because there's so many of them. Let's start increasing taxes now, and let's stockpile all that extra tax revenue we don't need so that when the baby boomers start retiring about 30 years from now, we'll have excess money. That's what the trust funds are, the excess revenues that have been collected for the purpose of paying Social Security benefits. So what these annual trustee reports say is if Congress does nothing between now and over the next 15 years, roughly 2034, 35, the Mm -hmm. reserve trust funds would be exhausted. That does not mean there would not be money to pay Social Security. There would be enough money from ongoing FICA taxes to pay roughly 80% of promised benefits. Okay. Now, no one is going to be satisfied with 80% of promised benefits, and Congress knows that. They can take some steps to make sure there's plenty of money, and they can do it on two different sides. On the revenue side, they could slightly increase the payroll taxes we pay now. Right now, we pay 12.4%. You and your employer each pay 6.2% to fund Social Security. Mm -hmm. They could kick that up a tenth of percent every year for 20 years. Right now, we are only taxed up to a certain amount of wages each year. It's roughly $142,000. People who make more than that do not pay any additional taxes for Social Security. If they bump that cap up, that solves about 75% of the problem. On the benefit side, you could say, well, full retirement age is scheduled to go to 67. What if we gradually increase that to 70? Don't panic. For today's two-year-olds, we've been talking about longevity. They're probably going to live to 120. They'll get used to it. And basically, the way this works is that you have to make everyone equally unhappy mm-hmm. by doing something on the tax side and something on the benefit side to come to a compromise. Now, Congress has not been known of being very good at compromising recently. I would say the one positive note I took away from the early days of the pandemic was we showed in a crisis situation, Congress could come together with all this stimulus legislation to help the everyday Americans who had lost their jobs and everything else. Unfortunately, Congress tends to lurch from one crisis to another, and we would all be better off if they tackled this problem sooner rather than later, because the solutions could be phased in more gradually. If it has to be done abruptly, that's uncomfortable for everybody. But to put that in perspective, The last major Social Security reform we had was 1983, Mm. nearly 40 years ago, and it is not fully implemented because the last piece of that legislation was raising the full retirement age to 67 for people who were born in 1960 and later, which means that would take effect starting in 2027. Gotcha. That's a lot of information. And it's quite clear that, like you said, there's different income strategies. This is probably the most important decision that people have to make when planning for their future. And in generally, it's a one and done decision. There are exceptions where you get an opportunity to do that over, but there's a trade-off. Yep. Oh my gosh. 
Mary Beth, before we sign off, is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything that you feel like you wanted to just say that we didn't cover? Well, if anyone wanted to be able to read everything we just discussed, mm-hmm. you can buy a copy of my ebook, which yes. is called Maximizing Social Security Retirement Benefits. And that is available at www.maximizingsocialsecuritybenefits.com. That is wonderful. And yes, I have the book. I will probably continue to get the updates because you have to do that all the time. And I can tell the audience, I have the book. I've read the book. You make it a very easy read. Thank you. Friendly, we call it. That was the uh, intention. And we divide it by your marital status. This yeah. is what you do if you're married, if you're divorced, if you're widowed, if you're single, if you have young children, if you have disabled children, right. if you're a public employee who didn't pay FICA taxes, the rules are different. So we try to cover all that yeah. in a very manageable, relatively Truly. brief ebook. Truly. I can vouch for that because I've read it. And actually, I reference it all the time. And then there were plenty of times, like I said, what I can do for my clients is a lot, but there are times where this is just too much information for anyone to understand without having someone like you, the expert for me to go to, or like you said, socialsecurity.gov is great, but they're not going to give the proper advice. They just tell you the facts, Jack. You get the information. Your job as the financial advisor is to give advice. Correct. So my two pieces of advice to people are educate yourself about what benefits you may be entitled to. Talk to a financial professional to see how it fits into your overall retirement plan. And if you haven't done it yet, every person 18 and older needs to set up their own personalized social security account at ssa.gov slash my account. You set it up and remember those paper statements we used to get in the mail, which we generally don't get anymore. You can receive that same information 24-7 showing you what your future benefits will be based on your earnings and your marital status. And those are just estimates too. Correct. Because that number is going to change, but at least it's a great guide for people to see. And I know we're going to have to sign off now because we could talk about the whole, if you have zero earnings in one year and what that does to your 35 years of earnings, and uh, we could go on and on and on, but you are an absolute wealth of knowledge. And I hope everyone here understands how crucial it is of a decision that you have to make. And it's amazingly important. And everything that you just gave us today is so wonderful and impactful. And I appreciate truly you being on this call with me today. And I will thank you for everyone else who watches this. Thank you, Catherine. I was delighted to chat with you. As I said, it's my favorite subject and it should be an important one to all of your clients. Absolutely. And on a personal note, I hope to see you soon. Me too. (laughs) I'm ready to travel. (laughs) Me Me too. All right. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise Podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm.
All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.